0: Today on the Zabecast, will you take a look at Jeff Bezos' boat? Half a bill, and he's not even sweating it, even after his divorce. Andy Paulin joins me to discuss some big names taking a bow in sports media. Tom Boswell at the Post, Kenny Mayne at ESPN, and what's up with F.P. Santangelo. That plus the most ludicrous sports excuse you've ever heard, and a curiously large amount of feedback on string trimming. Your 45-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! (laughs) Here we go! Tuesday, May 11, 2021. Thank you for downloading. Before I get to Andy and the other good stuff, couple of quick notes, good feedback on the string trimming. My man, Mark Massa, the Honorable Judge Massa, says, I'm coming home listening to the ZabeCast and your string trimmer tutorial. I can't believe this isn't behind the paywall. <laughs> See this, Mark? Double middle fingers. Fuck to the you. Actually, people like that maybe more than some of the COVID stuff earlier. At least one person did not like my COVID stuff. And he took to Twitter to let me know about it. And I had to block him. Had to block him. I did it. Yeah, believe me, it uh I did it as much for his sake as my. Or what was the line from Judge Smalls? It's gonna hurt me is as much as gonna hurt you. No, some asshole on Twitter was like, I love you, Zay, but. Today, zabe Zabecast, not very good. After that ponderous stuff about COVID yet again, you said that Tawny Katane was your generation's Marilyn Monroe, please. And I thought about it and I said, you know what? You got a problem with the podcast and I got no problem with feedback. You know where to email me, zabe Don't bring that shit to the Twitter streets. You know why? Because even though this asshole has like 38 followers, And I'm sure nobody saw his tweet. I feel like you following me on Twitter is a privilege. I grant you that privilege. Now, also, Twitter used to be a very fun place. You could send out zingers, get into little feuds, go back and forth. But then they started actually firing people, you know, from their real jobs at brick-and-mortar companies where they provided things like, you know, health benefits that you and your family kind of need if you don't want to pay ten grand a month just for health insurance and retirement shit like that. So I'm like, hmm, boy, okay. Twitter's getting kind of dangerous. So my feed has gotten a lot more boring over the last several years, and I make no bones about it. It's a place to post shit. It's a microblog. It's just for me to say, hey, it's up there. Here's a photo. Here's a video. Here's a thing I did, and I'm not really going to get crazy. So it's not a great follow. I grant you that. But don't blame me. Blame the fact that they're firing people now because of Twitter. Still, it's a privilege, though. And guess what? You don't like the content, and you want to bring up some constructive criticism? Email me. We'll keep it between you and me. You bring that shit out to the streets like that, like you're trying to make me look bad? Fuck you. You're out. You're out on your head. Gone. No second thoughts. Not that I'm thin-skinned. I'm not. But this is my platform that I'm at risk of getting fired for, and I don't need you firing out there, uh, today's show sucked, and here's why. Okay. Delete. Skip. Skip. Trust me, I I do it myself on many other podcasts. So, there you go. That's my one rule right there. Got a problem? Come straight to me. You air it out on Twitter, you're gone. Run you out of there, won't even think twice. Also, I made a mistake. I said, in the military with snipers, they say, smooth, slow is smooth, smooth is deadly, or something like that. Lethal. What I meant to say, and this is what the real saying is, thank you for the gentleman who corrected me on... An email, thank you, uh, was that, by the way, I don't mind simple corrections via Twitter. If you want to say, oh, Zabi, it was 82 that Ozzy Smith did whatever. A simple, factual correction, that's fine. You want to argue with me? You want to say this sucked or I'm tired of these rants? Fuck off. But no, someone said, the saying is, with snipers or with anything, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. So in other words, don't panic and you'll end up going faster when it's all said and done. So there you go. Jeff Bezos has bought a new boat. I'm on a boat. It is worth $500, b- b- mi- Sorry, $500 million. One half of $1 million. It's apparently so big that it needs a support boat or support yacht to trail behind it for the helipad that he is putting on the boat. Half a bill doesn't even sweat it. Many people are revulsed by this. Many people say that this is what comes before the Great Reckoning, what comes before society's collapse. I understand income inequality is an issue. It's a matter of how big of an issue, can it be solved? And how does it manifest itself in bad ways? For a guy like Bezos, I've always looked at it like, hey, he put a lot of yacht builders to work building that monstrosity. He's going to put a lot of people in the yacht servicing business to work keeping that thing running and cleaned and spit-shined and everything else. So it's all stimulus. Might as well be on Bezos's yacht as any other government appointed. Well, we're going to spend money here and spend money there. It's not a problem. I don't really care. That's how I've always felt about the rich, including if they build monster homes on huge plots of land where we're getting into a bit of a problem though. And I'm hearing this more and more from people, especially my friends and family in the Lake Tahoe area. You got the not stupid rich, but the very rich we're talking like say net worth of $10 million. And they're working at these tech firms in California. And during the pandemic, they're like, fuck, California is closed, and besides, I'm not even going to the office. Why don't I just work from Tahoe? I'll go buy a place up in the mountains. So they do. So they go buy a nice little house up in the woods for $700,000 or maybe less. They don't even spend two seconds haggling over the price, thinking about the price, because to them, it is irrelevant. And there's been a big flood of that. And you know what it's done to the housing market, to regular people who are busting it to try to afford their dream home of $700,000? They can't buy one. And these are second homes. So here's a finite resource, affordable, good housing in a market pretty far away when it's all said and done from where the epicenter of the money is being earned, that'd be Silicon Valley, and it's not easy to replace. That is a fucking problem. That's going to lead to some real issues because- I know I've got family that live in Tahoe and, um, you know, working up there their whole lives, regular jobs, they need places to live. They're not fancy, but when Silicon Valley assholes come up and go, I need a second home cause I'm sick of, you know, living in California and I want to work from remotely up here in the pine trees and they go plunk down, they just buy shit. Uh, it could be an issue. Is there a solution I have to this? No, I have, I have no solutions. I have no solutions whatsoever. Build more houses, I guess. You can't stop them from doing it. That's for sure. Did you see the fucking tiger in Houston? Holy shit. And the fact that the tiger belonged to a guy who is out on parole for ma murder. What in the living hell is going on down there in Texas? What on earth? So you're telling me in this country, you can be wanted, you can be under arrest and it being charged with murder, the most serious crime we have, and you can be let out. And while you're let out, you can also own a lethal killing machine in an animal that is prohibited in a tiger. Although maybe it's not prohibited, who knows? Maybe they've got loose zoo laws in Texas, like they did in Ohio with the Zanesville Zoo that went haywire. But still, to see the video of somebody in the neighborhood, just a regular old suburban neighborhood, oh shit, there's a fucking tiger. What in the hell? Guy's got a handgun, he's behind his truck, he's pointing it at it like, okay, stay steady. Holy cow. As the Chinese proverb goes, may you live in interesting times. Sometimes they're too interesting. All right, let's call Andy Paul and see what he is up to today. Uh, Tom Boswell announced he was retiring over the weekend. F.P. Santangelo continues to be twisting in the wind with Masson. Apparently, he has been accused of sexual misconduct. Not assault, just misconduct. And he's been yanked off the air, put back on the air, yanked off again. It's kind of crazy. And Kenny Maine is out at ESPN. So without further ado, we say hello to Andy Poland. Where is my music, by the way? I'm, I'm all out of sorts here today. Hello, Andrew. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Good. I did not have your music Andy. I apologize for that. And uh, fuck it. I'm not going to go back and fix it. This podcast <laughs> is free. People will like it for what it is. That's right. All right. So we got a lot to talk about today. Boswell, Kenny Main, horse racing scandal, F.P. Santangelo, Carney's Ben Dreith uh dying. Uh also Jim Calhoun turned 79. Redskins net worth. There's a Lakers documentary coming out. What's going on with training camp for the Wolfskins and more? Where do you want to begin?
2: Uh Kenny Main is breaking late, so you want to start there?
0: Let's start there. Kenny Main just tweeted out within the last hour. Uh I'm out at ESPN salary cap casualty basically according to Andrew Marchand who's very plugged in for the New York Post he said ESPN made him an offer but it was a pay cut and Kenny May decided you know what I don't want to take it so he's out well
2: he been he'd been there 27 years uh plus I think what he did in his heyday they don't really do much of anymore he was great at features he was a good anchor Uh, and he had some clever stuff but that's been devalued in recent years as well so his his real skills weren't as much of a value for them the ironic thing is that they extended berman today too which is
0: you know but (laughs) but berman might be getting a pseudo retirement salary just to keep his fingers in the stew you know what i mean yeah that's
2: that's true. But but, you know, he th- it seems to me if you're cost cutting, you could probably do without Berman. But, you know, maybe that thing that they're doing on ESPN plus the Sunday Night Highlights are doing well. Who knows?
0: You mentioned what Kenny Maine does. They don't do anymore. I want to mm-hmm. tease that out. What do you think he did in his prime with the likes of Olbermann and Patrick, and the Big Show. I would contend what he did and what those guys did was to tweak the noses of Big Sports Incorporated and to essentially say while narrating highlights, yeah, this is all just fucking fun and games. At some point, that flipped, and ESPN became the holy house of the athlete who must be worshipped.
2: Right. But he, you know, he would say things, you know, before a Super Bowl, there's a big tackle football game that's going to be played on Sunday. And, you know, he had the catchphrases when those were really hot. I mean, that's when, you know, kids were walking around the schools and saying different home run calls. That's when he was in his prime. And then he kind of segged into doing features and his features were really good. I mean, really creative. He he had a just a really unique style. But they're not spending money to produce those features anymore.
0: So, so, yeah, so he and, and I, I, OK, Kenny Maine did like one feature a week for a long stretch when he had some family issues that required his full attention. And I believe he still got his full seven figure salary.
2: Yeah, I don't know if he was making seven figures then. But, yeah, it was a, a very tragic thing. They had twins who were born prematurely, and one of them died very early. The other one held on for a year or so. And so, yeah, he was he was dealing with that. But, but you know, I thought that what he was adding to the Sunday football show and the other shows that he was doing features for was something that you just weren't seeing on other places. I mean, you, you, I appreciate unique work, and I think he did that.
0: Right. Well, the other thing, too, is that, you know, I mean, I think ESPN did him right in the big picture of things. And now who knows how big the pay cut was, but sort of his act had sort of phased out. And now ESPN is not what it was when he was at his peak. I do love his phrase. My favorite phrase from Kenny Mayne was always, you know, if this game was played on paper, dot, dot, dot. But of course, we know they're not played on paper. They're played inside our television sets.
2: (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I love that. Yes.
2: Yeah take you in one direction and then quickly pivot back another way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was, he was an ex jock. Now he didn't, you know, reach that great heights, but he was a starting quarterback for a little while at UNLV and he didn't, you know, always re- rely on that. You know, most of the ex jocks yeah. at ESPN like to take you there, you know, well, you know what I was playing. You never heard that.
0: from Sure. And, and, and he broke his ankle, his last senior season at UNLV. He went to go try out for the Seahawks, and he failed his physical because the ankle was so jacked up, and that was pretty much that. And he started his journalism career following the police scanner for a local TV station.
2: I did that for a radio station. Oh, yeah. I've told told you about those days in San Antonio.
0: I don't remember police scanner, Andy.
2: Oh, yeah. No. And I worked overnight and uh, in San Antonio, where the number one paper was owned by Rupert Murdoch, the stories as it went was it it bleeds, it leads. And you went out and you covered fires and murders and things like that. And I listened to the scanners and there was a guy who was a freelance cameraman and he would listen to the to these scanners. And we would often meet at these events and uh, he would try and sell his video to television stations later in the day, and he had a better chance of selling it if the story I covered made the radio show in the morning. Wow. So it kind of worked out for both
0: of us. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Maine will also break out into big phrases like, your puny ballparks cannot contain my gargantuan blasts or bring me all the finest meats and cheeses for a celebration. Just sort of weird things that were almost like the SNL bit with Ray Romano when he would talk about yeah. <laughs> he shot the puck between his pooper. <laughs> what does that mean?
2: Well, I think, I think Ray Romano was spoofing Kenny May. I
0: oh, think. you do? I do. And, yeah. it, and, and then they had the fake Stuart Scott, may he rest right. in peace, played by uh Jim who was Meadows. It? Tim Me- <laughs> That's right, Tim I was like, "Hey man, tone it down, all right? You're in the big time now." So I guess we're never going to see that again from SportsCenter.
2: Center. Eh, well, I mean, what is SportsCenter Center now anyway? Do you use it to get your highlights? It's it's personality based. I, if you I like would Scott, I would use felt, it you watch him.
0: I would use it for my highlights if they would yeah. reliably deliver all the highlights.
2: But they you didn't don't. get that Online, you can get it on your phone. Oh I mean, yeah, you... I
0: can't. I gotta go assemble it myself. I gotta go hunt for it. MLB.com. You know, a lot of these highlight packages on MLB.com and others, they don't narrate the highlights. They just cut them up, throw yeah. them together, and say, "Here, you figure out what happened in the game." A highlight package properly assembled by someone at ESPN includes here's the basic narrative of the game. Mets take a two nothing lead. Then all of a sudden, there's a pass ball. Then you know, Degrom gets hurt. Before you know it, there's an argument, and then a three-run blast, boom, game's over. It requires right. watching the game, making notes, and writing it into a coherent minute-and-a-half script. But
2: you, you remember the days when they used to do the Sunday night big show, and it was an hour-and-a-half. Are you going to invest an hour-and-a-half into what you may want of three or four minutes of highlights total?
0: If it was any good, I would. Hmm. Okay, well, I think times have changed. Maybe I'm blowing smoke. I don't know. All right, so Tom Boswell is out at the Post. He's retiring after 53 years,
2: working for
0: the single largest newspaper in the area. He became the lead columnist in the sports section for the Post. I don't know what year, and I guess maybe he was the co-lead along with guys like Kornheiser and Wilbon at one time, but... That is a hell of a run right there. He said basically he had five eye surgeries. He's Mm in his 70s. The pandemic weighed on him, and he just finally decided, you know what, it's time to hang him up. Yeah, he
2: uh, grew up in this area. He was a Washington Senators fan going back to the days of Griffith Stadium. He went to Amherst, and he came home and was like, a copy boy. I mean, when they used to have these kind of jobs at newspapers, he eventually got to cover high schools. He covered John Thompson when Thompson was coaching at St. Anthony's and then became the baseball guy for the post. When we didn't have a baseball team in the early seventies, he began covering, The Baltimore Orioles and broke a bunch of big stories and was ahead of some things like when he wrote that Jose Canseco was juicing uh, when he was hitting those home runs for the A's and he had to apologize for saying that
0: later. No Uh, way!
2: Oh oh, yeah, yeah, there was that. And then who
0: made him apologize?
2: Uh, but I don't remember exactly how it unfolded, but it was that he just didn't have the, the facts, I guess, to back up what was an opinion piece that, that said that, you know, these were not, uh, 100% kosher home runs that he was hitting. Uh, and then, um, then he, what happened with the column,
0: by the way, he, here's the column. Ken Sekio is easy to read, hard to believe.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so what <laughs> year is that? What's, 2000- what's the date on that?
0: 2005.
2: Yeah, well, OK, so he was even earlier than that. I mean, he when he was hitting those home runs in the late 80s with Mark McGuire, there was some suspicion then. Um, but but what happened with his Boswell becoming a columnist, Dave Kindred, who is a great columnist, left for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution in 1984. He was replaced by two, Boswell and Kornheiser. And then Wilbond got added to the mix a few years later. So right. that's how that worked.
0: Yeah. So. How would you describe Boswell's style?
2: Um, I think Barry's Reluger captured it pretty well. I mean, he loved baseball, especially, and that enthusiasm for it came through. Uh, he was the one who was giving you numbers before the internet. You know, he came up with whatever he called it, but it was what we call war now. Uh, and so he, he was just so totally into it and he could somehow get you to to feel at least similar to that. Maybe you weren't as all in as he was, but he would write things like, you know, opening day is when everybody shows up and then the real baseball fans settle down for the rest of the season. You know, that kind of thing. Right. So in some ways he, he could have been viewed as a baseball elitist, but but I never did. I mean, I think he really was the premier uh, or one, I would say one of two premier baseball columnists in the country in the '80s, along with Peter Gammons. Those two guys really uh, set the tone for for other columnists.
0: And opposite of Kornheiser, his columns were almost entirely devoid of any kind of humor.
2: Yeah, I mean, he'd, he'd make a little wisecrack here and there, but no, Tony's columns were were centered around humor, and make right. you laugh. And that Boswell was, was always
0: time. very analytical. He, his baseball acumen with his numbers. I thought it was top notch, but he yeah. often t- he oftentimes tried to port that over to football and mm-hmm. he would dig into football numbers with the Redskins and he'd make some grand argument and I would read his stuff and I'd go, yeah, 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 but football doesn't work that way. Right, did you right. find that he sometimes tried mm-hmm. to apply a baseball lens to football and, and it didn't quite work?
2: Yeah, I did. And, and I, I I don't think he really loves football the way he loves baseball. I think that was. But I think also, you know, when you're a columnist for The Washington Post and we didn't have a baseball team, you had to dive headfirst into football. I still have a column which I wanted to believe the day that they played the Raiders uh, in the Super Bowl. Boswell wrote a column uh, comparing that. Redskin team to the great teams of all time. They're about to
0: clinch oh, their second
2: straight Super Bowl, oh, put them Jesus. in a the conversation oh. with the Dolphins, oh. with the Packers, and they got their butts kicked that day. So you know.
0: Yeah. Not, never mind the fact they played the Raiders to a barn burner of a close game in the what, week two, I think, at home Mm -hmm. that year. And they won that game, but it was a wild one. So the Raiders were on their level, I think, and they felt confident. Secondly, they slipped into that Super Bowl with a pretty greasy win at home over the Niners in the NFC title game that some Niner fans still complain about to this day.
2: Yeah, well there was a, supposedly a pass interference call that should have been made. Uh, Jerry Rice wasn't with them yet. I forget. It was on Freddie Solomon or right. or somebody somebody should have been a a, a pass interference call. The the uh, the other thing was and Charlie Cashley reminded me of this. He said what we didn't account for going into that Super Bowl against the Raiders was in the first game which was played at RFK and won it was a great comeback and a touchdown pass to Joe Washington in the
0: final seconds.
2: Marcus Allen didn't play in that game. He was hurt. <laughs> when
0: Allen yeah, that kind of makes a big difference there, doesn't it?
2: was healthy. He ran for almost 200 yards. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the way that works.
0: So will there ever be another guy that works at a newspaper for 53 years?
2: No, mm, I don't see it. I will mean, newspapers
0: they... be around in 53 years? And will you still get a copy thrown onto your driveway by some pimple-faced kid?
2: If they print it. And it's priced under a thousand dollars a year
0: I I'm this. <laughs> a thousand holy <laughs> that's shit, that's a lot of money by the well, way you know what it's you
2: know what, I, what I, do you pay, pay now it, well they they what the way it's it's a big big dance that you have to go through to get this price, but they send you a bill and it's like six hundred and fifty dollars for the year and you call up and you say, uh, I'm not gonna pay that and they say, okay, sir, we'll give you a twenty percent discount I say nope that's not going to do it. And then they come back and it's like a 40% discount. I pay close to three, maybe it's even more over $300 a year. for. The so paper.
0: that comes out to my math is really, really great. How much per month? 15 a month.
2: It's, it's basically a dollar an issue. You know, the, the, they, I think it sells at the newsstand dollar an issue like two bucks.
0: Yeah. 30, 30 $30. No, it's $30 a month. Basically that's $360 a year.
2: Yeah, but it's a little less. So than thirty, that,
0: but... so thirty a month. And... Mm-hmm. Oh shit, that is a dollar a day, isn't it?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Right. Fuck a dollar. No, used to be a dime. Then was a quarter, and now it's like, <laughs> hey, it's going schmuck. up. <laughs> now it's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, schmuck, buy it on the internet. We're tired <laughs> of printing the paper.
0: Have you ever tried the digital version on an iPad?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I have uh, access to the digital version through my subscription. Have you ever
0: tried reading it on an iPad where it's yeah. graphically presented like the real paper and you can literally flip through it on the iPad with your right. finger? Have you ever? Yeah,
2: Yes, but I don't and like to take the iPad to the can. I like to take the paper to the can. (laughs) And when I was young, I used to like to sit on the can on Sunday morning and read the batting averages, which aren't printed anymore.
0: Okay. When you are on the can with your iPad of the post and you see a story (laughs) you like and you want to send it to somebody, how are you going to do that if it's in paper?
2: Well, I can, no, nope, no, nope, you you'll have to, then, right.
0: You'll have to go home. Huh. As soon as I'm done shitting and wiping, I am have to get up. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut the article out. I'm going to have to save it, Xerox it, then send it via snail mail to my aunt or uncle. No,
2: no, I can, I, I can send articles, uh, through, uh you know, email. Or, I know or you'll look it up or... on
0: the web and you'll send it, yeah. but it, yeah, you I know, can do that. there's something to it. My dad still reads the papers, New York times, hmm. Washington post, uh, every day. And I keep saying, dad, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I gotta, Stephen, I gotta know what's going on. You know,
2: it's uh it's the Tony Soprano thing. You put your robe on, you go out to the driveway <laughs> and you pick up the paper. That's what you do.
0: Oh God. Well, anyway, uh, Tom Boswell, enjoy your retirement. I mean, I think now the leading columnist voice in town has to be Jerry Brewer. Who I think is excellent. I, I really like his writing. I think he's got a great pulse on not just the city, but on how sports really works. Your thoughts. I
2: like I like Jerry too, but he now lives in Seattle, which I'm what? not I'm, Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. He uh he So came we got
0: here. Sally who lives in New York right. and Jerry who lives in Seattle. Right. Right. What yeah. the fuck? So- so hey, we have you live in DC and do a Milwaukee <laughs> show shut up okay sorry about right. that I should right. stop yelling yes
2: but well it's it's also part of the whole uh, Bezos plan for the paper in that it's become much more of a national paper than yeah. it's ever been so that's part of it but Barry's Reluca lives within walking distance of Nat's Park so he's boots on the ground here and, but
0: yeah and Barry's good I yeah. mean Barry lacks that punch a columnist needs. I think he's too even keeled. I think he doesn't stir things up enough. I just don't find him to be, he doesn't punch as heavy as a real, as a big time columnist does a good job. Good writer, good journalist, big J journalist, but still. Okay. I mean, you know, who was the, who was the gal they had? They tried to push her. They gave her the company push Tracy. Oh, Tracy.
2: Yeah. She's an editor. She's been an editor most
0: of the time. Yeah. But they, they gave her a column with, yeah, with a column byline and a photo, and it was like, here, here's somebody who's writing about sports in our town, and I'm like, who the fuck is this woman?
2: Yeah, she, well, she she has been in town for a long time, and she's edited yeah. for a long time. Yeah, but you don't but make
0: an editor a columnist.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it worked out too well for them. But she's still, I think, with the paper, she's back uh, being an editor.
0: Okay, I meanwhile. Her. F.P. Santangelo is quite a story. Now we know why he was not on the air for Masson calling the Nationals games. He had been yanked off the air due to allegations of sexual misconduct based off a social media post from a woman who claims the encounter happened several years ago. Yanked off the air, MLB and the Nationals do their investigation. Or no, Masson Masson did their investigation. The network said, he's clear we're putting him back on Then something else came out, and the Nationals pulled him off the air, and now he's back in limbo again.
2: Right. This is a complete embarrassment for everybody all around. If, in fact, Masson cleared him, what they needed to say when he got back on the air was there was an investigation of something, however they want to put it, but there was an investigation. We looked into it thoroughly. He has been 100% cleared. F.P. Sant'Angelo is back on the air. Instead, they act like nothing happened. Like They don't address it, right. and they refuse comment on anything. He comes back on the air for all of two games, and then he disappears again. He's supposed to do the YouTube game that they had last Thursday. It was not televised. It was only on YouTube. Right. Uh, he didn't do that. And then uh, then finally Bob Carpenter returns from a, a curious time vacation, I thought, Uh, is back after missing like 10 games and and shows up for the Yankee series. And he's got Dan Colco doing the color after Colco had filled in for Carpenter doing the play-by-play. Now, uh, this is just pure speculation on my part, but I think Carpenter was told, hey, there's something brewing here. And I don't know if you want to be on the air when this all hits the fan.
0: Really? That's,
2: That's what I think. I don't know that. I'm just speculating here. But for him to take 10 days off a month into the season. That's crazy. You find that curious?
0: That's yeah. no, I, I've never heard of it, and it was billed as a vacation. I said, really? Yeah. That doesn't yeah. ring true to me. I, yeah. All I know is this is a clown show. This right. would never be tolerated in New York City. No way. It would never be tolerated in Chicago. In fact, I said how in Milwaukee, they've got a great set of TV announcers, starting with Brian Anderson, who is a national talent, who does stuff on TNT. And so when he's gone, they put in Matt LaPay, who is the longtime voice of the Badgers, football and basketball, and he's outstanding. And they mm-hmm. never miss a beat. They don't do shit like this. This is a World Series winning team in the, what, seventh biggest market in the country? Something like that, yeah.
2: No, it's a complete embarrassment. And, and the fact that nobody has commented on anything, and it took Brittany Giroli to dig this up, From the national, even even with the second disappearance, there was no announcement from the nationals why he wasn't on the air. So it was during the game on Saturday where he had made his second disappearance that this story breaks, and now we got something to hold on to here. I I, I don't understand it at all, Uh, and it's 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 somewhat unfair to FP to to be honest. Somewhat
0: unfair. I think it's very unfair because there's nothing. There's no smoking gun from an incident that has occurred several years ago the woman just said that he was too aggressive in his advances and then ended up like sending her a mean text message and unfollowing her on social media that was it well and his the, the, his name is now tarnished forever it's right, a bell you can't unring
2: if in fact he's innocent yeah i mean if 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 if, if he's-, he's innocent if he's innocent, he should sue the hell out of him because they they, they they've handled this out of so who? poorly.
0: Masson, huh? Out well, of Masson.
2: The, the way See, the way I I've yeah. heard it is that the Nationals have say over who their announcers are, but it's Masson that hires them. And so when the Nationals said for the first time around, we don't want this guy on the air right now. Investigate. It was up to Masson to do the investigation. And after a quick two day, yep, we checked nothing there. Then he's back on the air, and here we are.
0: The problem is we've gotten so far from if a crime occurred, you need to call the cops, and it needs to be timely. We're now in the business of, oh, two years ago, he tried to date you or tried to pick you up, and you didn't like it, and you got into a he said, she said thing. How do we fucking sort that out? Then we're yanking guys off the air. We're affecting their careers and livelihoods based on potentially, if he's innocent, the butthurt feelings of a woman. From This is fucking nuts, man.
2: Uh, I, 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 I just, it just has been handled so, so incredibly poorly. Now, if he's, if he's guilty, guilty, fire him, but don't twist him out in the wind here for two weeks. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something, something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over and my bookie, there is no off season NFL, NBA, major league baseball, NHL, boxing, heck table, tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at MyBookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to MyBookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah. Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years. MyBookie. MyBookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at MyBookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, ALPHA, BRAVO, ECHO. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag Ben Dreith died, one of the legendary referees of all time in the NFL. I give you some of the best Ben Dreith calls on the football field from the 70s and 80s. That's Against the Bills, Marty
2: Lyons gives it to Jim Kelly after the incomplete fast. A fight breaks out, and after everything clears, the referee gives the official call. And folks, it was the ruling of the day.
1: will the personal oh, we'll foul, on number 99 of the defense, after he tackled the quarterback, he's given him... Them-
0: <laughs> <laughs> giving him the business, not actually yeah. in the rule book as a penalty, but he basically was like, Yeah, that's a that's a that that is a personal foul. I'm calling it.
2: He uh he got the player wrong. It was marty Lyons, 93, not right. gastino 99. And if you watch the video nowadays, uh, lines would be thrown out of the game. Because oh, he's and just,
0: suspended <laughs> a game or two. Yeah.
2: He's just pummeling Bill Ke- <laughs> Ke- Kelly in the head. Yeah. And, uh, and Marv Albert was doing that game with Bob greasy and in uh, 1986 and Ben Reif had a, I, I didn't even know he had passed away until I read it for Peter King this morning. Uh, it happened last month. He was 95. He had a 30 year refereeing career. And that is the singular moment from his career. He, he did two Super Bowls. And the thing that everybody would remember about yeah. Ben Wright is, is the call you yeah. just played.
1: The uh, white team, IVW on the red team, double foul
0: after a change. The ball's gonna stay right where it is. Most creative call. Is he ordering lunch or something? <laughs> <laughs> also
2: blocking it again. And also came close to contact. But look at Ben, drives right
0: back there watching it all. He's about six feet away. If he can't see it from there, nobody can see it. They're going to have to get them in. That's a personal foul on the kicker for trying to draw a
2: penalty. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that over Ed Hockley with the 20-minute explanation. Hey, hey, hey,
0: hey, hey, hey. do not blaspheme (laughs) the great Ed Hockley in my house. (laughs) <laughs> why uh, I'm just saying, uh, horse racing, how about the explanation from Bob Bafford <laughs> as to why his horse, Medina Spirit, tested positive for a uh, anti-inflammatory He said one of the groomers took a piss in the hay in his stall, and the horse ate the hay, and that's how he tested positive. Not since Sean Merriman. One's claimed that he got tainted supplements from the conveyor belt of the supplement company. Have I heard something so far-fetched?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, I wonder how long it took him to come up with that. Did he have any collaboration? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and is it common for groomsmen to pee in the hay? I would think it would be. but hey,
0: I don't think you should. Even though yeah. it's a barn and it smells like horse shit and horse flies and everything else. Yeah, 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 come on. We're not savages here. Pee outside the horse. This is a thoroughbred, pedigreed racehorse. Is going to be in the Derby. Don't piss in his stall. Uh, I
2: understand. But I, I've been down to these stalls at the Kentucky Derby. I, I can't can't remember seeing a men's bathroom nearby. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. How about the fact that Baffert's horses keep popping positives? That oh, he is yeah. basically the biggest cheater in horse racing and apparently nobody wants to call him out.
2: Yeah, as, or they don't uh, want to fact- suspend him. As Pat Forty said, he's cashed in a semester's worth of Dog Ate My Homework.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Real quick, there's going to be an eight-part or nine-part Lakers documentary Mm -hmm. on – I forget what channel it's going to be on. Hulu. Hulu, yeah. It's been greenlit by Hulu. Probably uh, trying to cash in and ride in the wake of the great uh, Michael Jordan documentary, uh, Last Dance. Do you think it'll be good?
2: Not as good as that because the Jordan one The Jordan one had Jordan, and Jordan – is electric. There's something about him. Now, they could have magic, but magic doesn't have what Jordan has. And that's what made that. Plus, it also was perfect timing. That was right as nothing was happening. So that gave us the Monday morning, you know, water cooler talk about sports was the Jordan documentary. This is going to get lost and it's Hulu too. It's not ESPN. So it's not going to have nearly the impact that the Jordan one had.
0: Did you know that the Redskins have slipped or Wolfskins have slipped greatly in the ranking of most valuable franchises worldwide as of late?
2: Where are they now?
0: They're down to like 15. At what number? Uh, I forget what the number is. It's gone up, mind you, but a number of of, uh, European soccer teams have raced past him, and he has definitely fallen along the way amongst NFL franchises. Right. And we're well, still no closer to a new stadium than we were a year ago.
2: Right, right. Well, we'll see about the, about the gambling impact of this is. Will they be able to make a deal with, you know, one of the gambling sites to, uh, to launch a stadium? That'll be interesting. And then, you know, you, you've seen the incredible success of the Cowboys with their stadium. That's why they're worth so much more than the Washington. So, they're not
0: hated. They didn't change their name. And, mm, and the state mm. and the and the whole complex and the stadium is in a place where people want to be. You put this new woofskin stadium down ninety five near the mixing bowl hell. Forget it. Right. Ain't no. nobody going down there to watch the fucking games.
2: No, I think I think the new stadium is going to seat sixty thousand tops.
0: Well, good luck filling it. No. They say well, they say they're going to have full full stands coming up in the uh, in the fall. And my thought was. Well, they didn't have full stands last year or the year <laughs> right. before that. So <laughs> right. what makes you think you're going to get to full this year?
2: Yeah, I, I, it's it's a good question. Uh, I think maybe it'll partly be that uh, they had a halfway decent team last year, and it's a year of sitting home doing nothing. You're going to want to get out and
0: watch a game in person. Uh, I guess so. Finally, Jim Calhoun turned 79 years young today. One of my favorite moments ever was when he went full gangster. On the reporter Ken Kraske, who decided to take him on regarding his supposedly obscene salary at the University of Connecticut. Uh,
1: considering that you're the highest paid state employee and there's a two billion dollar budget deficit. Yep. Do you think that? Not a dime a back? back. Not a dime. Not a dime
2: back. Not a dime back. I'd like to be retired someday. Oh, I'm getting $1. tired. 1.6
1: million is enough. I'm sorry. 1.5 okay. million. I make a, a lot more than that. To <laughs> you? Yeah. What's the, uh, what you <laughs> what's the What's the take tonight?
2: I I
0: don't know. What's the deal with Comcast? You're not really that stupid, are you? Yeah, I am. (laughs) That that is epic. That was saying, okay, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. He met him head on and said, fuck you. Which I like, you know, because he's right. Coaches get paid a lot of money because they make a lot of money, those that are successful.
2: Right, right. I mean, look, you're always going to get somebody from other sections of the paper thinking they'd come in and blow the lid off of everything. And Calhoun says, don't walk in here and play that
0: game with me. You know? Exactly. All right, we bounce you out to the uh, new version of the Johnny Carson theme song from The Tonight Show. Not the old school one I had on my machine. This is from the computer, Andy. So enjoy, and we'll talk to you next week. Isaac, right, Zed. Thank you. Care. Maybe it's just the band nerd in me and because I played in these types of bands in high school. There is nothing quite like a full-blown jazz orchestra. It's fucking sweet. I don't know if there's any still around. Maybe once the world starts. That's the drummer in me coming out. All right. Well, there we go. We're done with Andy. And that was good. My voice. (sighs) Blame it on the allergies. I know. Probably have to go get another look at this thing. Thank you very much. I feel pretty good tonight, but uh, it still is a bit of a problem. Hey. D.C. announced they're going to be reopened for the most part come May the 17th and then full reopening on June 11th with no restrictions on indoor capacity. So the Nationals and the the Capitals and the Wizards, if they make it out of the play-in tournament, could be playing before, in theory, full houses indoors in D.C. I'll believe it when I see it. A number of restaurants have already said preemptively, look, for those of you who are dying to go out and come back to us and eat at the places that you've loved before, please be patient because we just can't flip the light on. We're not going to be like we were when we were up and running. We've got staffing issues. We've got other things we've got to get together. It's going to be a rough relaunch. So keep that in mind. Tip as generously as you can. And just remember, the reason it's May 17th and June 11th is science. It's science. It's not just the whim of politicians and unelected health bureaucrats. No, no. It's science. They ran it through a complicated scientific formula and determined opening one day earlier would be probably fatal to a a wide swath of 2.6 million people. But if they wait, just wait until the 17th. And then the 11th, they'll be good. Cases, hospitalizations, percent positive, plummeting, plummeting, plummeting across the country. It's over, people. It's all over. But the shouting and the last few Karens to come crawling out of their cushy basements. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday or any Tuesday you want. I'm not here to run your life. I appreciate you being listeners and, of course, subscribers. If you want to subscribe, you'll get the Sally and Scotty Show every week. I think we're going to do it every week. i due to talk to them on Wednesday, so it should drop on Thursday. People have been very happy that's been added to the mix, and I'm glad to be able to talk to them and revive the old one more time. In the meantime, if you just want to freeload four days a week, perfectly fine with me, do me a small favor, rate and review, tell somebody about it, help keep us growing, and that would be most appreciated. Have a great Tuesday, and we will see you next time.